Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. Today, we'll be joined by returning guest host Lauren Weingart to review Disney Animation's Raya and the Last Dragon. We'll start by giving our initial spoiler-free review of the movie before jumping into a more analysis-driven spoiler section. Lauren Weingart, my COVID partner in crime, the video peach. Thank you so much for rejoining the Cinematic Schematic today. Of course. I'm so excited to be back. We're going to get into the, the film here in one moment, but first I did just want to remind you, if you're tuning in and you enjoy this show and this conversation, I highly encourage you to head on over to your preferred podcast app and leaving us a rating and a review, or if you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, a subscribe, if you're on Spotify, a follow, just uh, send the positive vibes out there. We're not uh, we're, we're doing this show for free currently, so the, the, the best way that you can support the work we're doing is by heading on over to one of those preferred podcast apps and giving us a rating and a review. Lauren Weingart, before we jump into the film at hand today, Raya and the Last Dragon, I want to start with a little icebreaker just to keep this conversation moving, and that is the question. We're going to break the ice. What is your favorite Disney animated movie since 2010? And I want to specify, this is Disney animation, not Pixar. So Pixar is a separate category. We're talking specifically about Disney animation. So films like Moana, Big Hero okay, 6. Okay, but definitely Wreck-It Ralph. I'm gonna wreck it! Why do you like Wreck-It Ralph? Why is that your favorite? Okay, I don't know. I don't know if it's the nostalgia thing or uh, I don't know what it is, but it's just so fun. Like they're inside of a video game and you have all these characters, a lot of characters that you recognize that's just in pop culture. So it's just really fun. Um, and, you know, I like Sarah Silverman and... Um, John C. Riley. Yes. And so it's fun. I, and I like the second one too. Yeah. Yeah. They're really doing, I would actually say some, some pretty different thing. They have pretty different goals. One thing that stuck out to me, I think the first one, 2012's Wreck-It yeah. Ralph. So th- that film was definitely about the nostalgia and sort of subverting the trope of maybe the bad guys, not so bad, uh, that, you know, everyone's a little more has more to them than those one or two things that supposedly define who they are. So really positive message out there. Whereas the second one I found really fascinating because they, that second one was wildly creative. I don't know if I like it as much as a film as a whole, but I thought they were definitely taking some bigger risks there. That second one really took a deep dive into toxic online fandoms because Ralph in that movie becomes a little obsessive and Mm -hmm. a little toxic. So anyway, I just thought that was crazy that Disney was able to pull that off. That's actually, Mm -hmm. I would say, one of the bigger swings I've taken recently in Wreck-It Ralph 2. Or Ralph Breaks the Internet. Whatever yeah. the title is, Ralph breaks the internet. Okay, so all right, so so you you also mentioned Moana. Let's let's go on. Tell me what Moana is your runner up here. So what what do you like about Moana? Oh gosh, I mean, I love the story. I love uh, all the visuals, the uh, this uh, scenery. She's on this island. Uh, I felt I could relate with her a lot, maybe more than a lot of the Disney princesses. If we you know if we're gonna go that route, um, you know she's she. She's a beach bum, which I grew up, you know, going on lots of trips with my parents. And I, she has curly hair, just let it lets it dry in the wind. I have curly hair. And um, I just really liked it. And I love the music as well. Uh, I have a little niece, uh, Luna, and she was, I think, probably like three or something when this movie came out. And she just lo- loved it. And she loves singing to it. So kind of dear to my heart, too. 
Well, Moana, I think uh, that was probably, at least in my opinion, probably one of the greatest Disney soundtracks Mm -hmm. of the last 20, I would say bigger than the decade, last 20 years. Uh, going all the way back to like the animated movies they did in the 90s, 80s, 90s, and 90s, uh, yeah, they called the Disney Renaissance. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I know I agree. Moana is actually uh, right up there. I also like Tangled quite a bit. Um, but I think Moana, I, I, it's, it's really the music. You're welcome. Well, I, I think. Plus, it's got the and rock. And it got a little more modern, too. Yeah, you have the rock, and then you have uh, Shiny, you know, with the big crap. And so I, and that's one of my favorite songs from the movies. Well, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, I, I think that that movie was a rest, uh, just just just, just well made film. All the elements were great. I thought The Rock was a really great casting choice, um, and of course, yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda's score that was I think one of his first major collaborations with Disney. And hey, uh, surprising no one and didn't disappoint. Uh, that's actually a soundtrack I have still. I wouldn't say frequently in my rotation, but it is one that exists in my rotation. Like I have a playlist that has the the, the score and it looks that good. So uh, I have to I have to call it though. I because Moana is being my favorite as well. I, I think it's interesting that neither of us mentioned Frozen, which uh, when that movie came out was just wildly acclaimed. Like like uh, like it was almost like the second coming of Mickey Mouse or something. Yeah, I know, and I you know I do love Frozen too. I love Frozen as well, and I love Frozen 2 as well. Um, But it's a little more for younger audience, and so whereas Moana, I felt like it was could hold up for a little more older audience uh so well and i just found the moana was a very a lot more non-traditional which i think you alluded to there Mm -hmm. a moment ago uh because you're looking at a a princess in a tropical setting versus you know frozen which is actually subverting a lot of the disney princess tropes which is still Mm -hmm. pretty clever and i give it credit for that but also, I don't think it's nearly as innovative because you're still sort of playing in that 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 playhouse of Disney princesses and castles and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, Frozen is very good. It is very good, even though that soundtrack got overplayed. Overplayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I yeah, I even like the new song in <laughs> with the ah. Right, do that again. Do that again. Do that again. Ah, or like when Olaf goes or does it after her. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, uh, speaking of Frozen 2, um, we'll get into it later, but there's just a lot of a lot of similarities to Frozen 2 along the story of Ryan, Ryan the Last, the Last Dragon. Dragon. Oh, right. And, you know, Frozen 2 was right before this was made by Disney, so. On the note, on that note, though, let, let's go ahead and get to our review of Raya and the Last Dragon. Let's catch you up. My name is Raya. Our lands have been at war for as long as we can remember. Our people never see eye to eye. My daughter, I believe our people can come together again, but someone has to take the first step. Now, in order to restore peace, we must find the last dragon. I wish to join this fellowship of butt kickery. Let's go. We'll have to watch our backs. We're not the only ones looking. Six years of searching. Please let this be it. Almighty Sisu! Who said that? We really need your help. Ah, I'm gonna be real with you. I'm not like the best dragon. Have you ever done like a group project, but there's like that one kid who didn't pitch in as much, but still ended up with the same grade? Uh, we're doomed. IMDB describes Raya and the Last Dragon 
in a realm known as Kumandra, a reimagined earth inhabited by an ancient civilization. A warrior named Raya is determined to find the last dragon. Dun, dun, dun. Wow, now that that's okay. I, have to, I just have to say that synopsis does not do this movie justice. Um, so we're going to talk about it. Let's just give listeners a little cue. You know, let's let them know what are our biases. How did we feel about the movie overall? Did we like it? Did we hate mm-hmm. it? What did we like? What didn't we like? Lauren Weingart, what did you think of Raya and the Last Dragon? Okay, guys, I loved Raya and the Last Dragon. I think it might be one of my new favorite Disney movies. You know, it's one of the first Southeast Asia inspired Disney movie. And, you know, we get a new Disney princess set in Southeast Asia. So I really like that. Um, so they really presented a really cool world. It's uh, very vibrant. And I think that they did a really good job with the story or the world building as well. Like they created this whole world for us to discover, uh, you know, and with different lands that make up Kumandra and different tribes and we get to visit all of them too. And so uh, I thought it was great. All right. So, Hey, I want to stop you there because uh, I, I I don't want to take away from what you're about to say, but I, I just want to echo your sentiment about the world building here because, and when we say world building, like this movie in the opening Basically, I think in a really like with some really cool animations and really quickly tells us here's the here's here's how the world here works. Mm-hmm. You're at uh, it was actually awesome, and then the essentially the apocalypse happened, and then the dragons came to defend what is left of civilization. And the story is taking place like 500 years after that. Yeah, which is crazy, isn't that crazy? <laughs> like, yeah. like, and 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 speaking of that, and so even in the beginning, it's very Mad Max X, like like she's in this apocalyptic world, and you know it's and she's in the area known as Tail uh, when you know the movie kind of starts out, and so she's in this like desert land, and she's on this. All you know at that moment is that she's on this big round thing that's just like taking her across it, the it, desert. It feels very Mad Max yeah, Fury Road. Yeah, so Mad Max, and it's just so funny. And she, <laughs> and she's almost brooding too in her narration. So I, th- I like that. Yeah. No. So so again, that's just the premise. That's not even mm-hmm. the story. We haven't told you anything about the actual story. This yeah. is all just the setting of the, the setting movie. Of the movie. And again, I think that they do a really great job establishing that right off the bat, and it's just so intriguing. And also. I didn't know anything about this movie going into it other than it was like an Asian inspired mm-hmm. fantasy. I didn't even know it was a, like a post-apocalyptic like, yeah, the yeah. world basically <laughs> got destroyed 500 years ago. Yeah. Uh, if it weren't for the dragons, there wouldn't even be humans left. And I just found it so brilliant that that's mm-hmm. the setup of the movie. So you've got this huge sandbox to play in, like you say. Um, and yeah, anyway, I'll say my thoughts. What else did you like about Raya and the last dragon? Well, I do like the characters. Raya has met a lot of characters along the way. And I actually, you know, found something charming about each one. And I thought they all were, uh, were great. Um, I thought it all worked well together. Yeah, most definitely. And so I want to give a shout out here to, we got a really stellar cast. Uh, By the way, the the Raya voiced by Kelly Marie Tran. Oh uh, yes. Shout out to Kelly Marie Tran. Uh, she knows she did great in The Last Jedi. Gasp. Uh, 
sadly, though, you know, she wasn't utilized uh, to her fullest potential, I don't think, in J.J. Uh, Abrams' next... Rise of Skywalker? Rise of Skywalker. I know. It's too bad she wasn't in that movie. Yeah, too you, bad she wasn't she, even she, in the movie. Too bad she wasn't in that movie. Yeah, I, I know. I like, yeah, it was almost like, you know, he was doing, he's like, okay, what do you guys want? You want this? Oh, you want her in the movie? Okay, let me just slap her in there. And it was almost like, well, you might as well not even put her in there because she is so much better than what you let her do in that movie. She she is, you know, I uh, listen, this is not, we're not going to turn we're this We're not going to get We're not going to talk this into a Star Wars conversation. But I will say for me personally, she has been one of the more memorable parts of The Last Jedi. And then just due to humans being terrible on the internet, mm-hmm. I was legit concerned that we may never see her in another movie uh, again. And here and we are. She is back as the lead character, a princess warrior in a post-apocalyptic Southeastern Asian mm-hmm. fantasy. Let's hear it. Holy Lord, cow. Girl. She is so good. She's so good. Yeah. Um, also, we got Aquafina, who voices Sisu the dragon. I love Aquafina. Everyone loves like, Aquafina. No, she does great in this movie, and she's. I think she's perfect for to voice Sisu the last dragon. And I, I think she's set to be Scuttle in the next Little Mermaid as well. Uh, like the live action or the one? Live action the live action Or the whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Live and action gonna, and animated she, Yeah, whatever. and she's going to be Scuttle. And I'm just like trying to imagine that. And that's just so funny. Yes. Uh, Aquafina, always a treasure, I would mm-hmm. say. I, didn't, oh, I honestly treasure. didn't. <laughs> I don't read. I don't actually care about any of those Disney, live action Disney remakes. I know. So I didn't know. So- but that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. That's on the podcast. I'm sure we'll talk about it down the road. Um, we also have Daniel Day Kim. I loved it because I was like, wait, is that Daniel Day Kim? Mm-hmm. I was literally like, that's got to be Daniel Day Kim. Credits roll. Daniel Day Kim. <laughs> He's a great underrated actor. Big, been a big fan of his since Lost back in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, big and fan he of plays. Her dad. Her dad. And uh, even kind of looks like him, too. He does. Yeah. He, I noticed that he's got like the goat. Yeah he, yeah, he looks very similar. He's got the same facial hairstyle mm-hmm. that Daniel DeKem frequently wears. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have Benedict Wong, who, who uh, makes an appearance in here. So, yeah, I just think overall, uh, very, very great cast. Oh, uh, Gemma Chan. Uh, Gemma Chan. Apologies, Internet. Correct me if I said that. Sorry, apologies if I butchered that. Uh, she sort of plays Raya's like arch nemesis princess. Mm-hmm. Namara. Uh, Namara, yes. Uh, which again, very compelling. You know, I don't want to say bad guy, but a very compelling um, opposite of Raya mm-hmm. in the film. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Lauren, uh, what, what else? Anything else stick out to you about Ryan the Last Dragon that you want to call out? Okay, can we talk a second about her sword? Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. We can uh, talk about the sword. She has this badass sword yes. that she inherited from her dad. Um, I want one. Oh my! Who who wouldn't want one? It's a it's like um it's a sword that's also like a an Indiana Jones whip. Yeah, that's also like a hook shot, like the Legend of Zelda hook shot that you like can a, fling. a scorpion kind of thing. Like, yeah, it's get over here, and then yeah, you can like shoot it up into the ceiling and like swing. Or you could, or it can wrap around stuff, so you can swing out yeah. like a whip. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's super cool. Yeah, so uh, the action in the movie, I think, is really is really good. Uh, oh, and another thing I'll mention is that there is no, there's no musical in this uh, like we, you know, are used to in movies like Moana, you know, and other Disney princess movies, and which I think was a good call. 
Yeah, uh, this is not a movie that it lends itself to a musical. It's no, I mean that's it did the not thing. Need it. No, it's that's what I'm saying. The setting does not call like the setting and the story they're telling is is not one that calls no. for happy musical numbers. And it would have been a different movie. And so I'm glad that Disney is is doing a movie that's not musical and they're trying to do, you know, tell a different story than what we normally see. So Yeah, most definitely. Um well, uh Lorna, I, I would just say that um, yes, I want to echo your sentiments here. I found the world to be, uh, just really astounding. I, I mean, again, um, I found the characters to be really enjoyable. We've already said that. So I don't want to repeat too much of that there. Um, I, I do want to go a little deeper on the action piece here because yes, the, the fight choreography is mm -hmm. really, really strong. So it feels like we're pulling from, uh, a Clone Wars. Uh, well, oh, hold on. Uh, yeah, yeah. It could be Clone Wars. But I was actually going to say Samurai Films, which inspired Star Wars combat. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but also, it, because of that, it looks a lot like Star Wars frequently. Mm -hmm. Like the, 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 the sword fights, and there are several, definitely feel like they're out of like a, like a Star Wars film. And then we haven't, you know, we talked about the setting. We haven't really talked about the story so much. I will say, um, I don't know if it's a criticism, but it definitely feels like they cover a lot of ground. This feels like it easily could have been like a trilogy of movies mm -hmm. where it's... It's kind of glo like a globe trotting adventure, and it works. Um, I'm thinking about like something like an Indiana Jones film, where it's like, all right, we got to go to this place to get this part mm -hmm. of the artifact. We got to go to this part to get this artifact. And while they're doing that, you're able to sort of see the different uh, like uh, states, or I guess they're are they countries, different uh, cities, nations, nations. Or tribes. Yeah. Also has a little bit of the Avatar the Last, actually a little bit of the Avatar the Last Airbender vibe. A lot of Avatar the Last oh. Airbender vibe. In fact. Raya, uh, as a in the prologue of the movie, Raya, in fact, is wearing a costume that looks eerily similar to the Legend of, like, Korra's uh, first uh, costume no, from the Legend of Korra. No, she looks just like Korra. She, down to the hair, like, her hair in, is in the front, and then her, the color of her outfit is blue. She even has the arm things. And I'm like, uh, I'm like that is Korra right there. <laughs> yeah, straight up. By the way, uh, listeners, if you haven't watched uh, Avatar The Last Airbender or The Legend of Korra, we do highly recommend it. You can check it out. Uh, I believe it's still on Netflix and also on Paramount Plus. Shameless plug. I want everyone to watch it. Um, but back to uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Yeah, there's there's a lot of influence from I would say other Asian inspired media that we've seen in the last twenty years. And it, but, but it's like the best parts of all of it. I, I mean, that's the thing. My biggest complaint is that I I feel like I, I wanted to spend more time collectively in all of it. Like I almost feel like you could have done a trilogy. Or even, heck, you could have done, like, one movie per nation because each nation has, like, their own unique culture and issue uh, that they're trying to overcome. But you kind of get, like, the high, the broad strokes that come really, really fast. Yeah, I would say that that's my, one of my only criticisms is there's a lot going on in this movie. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts, uh, which I do appreciate a lot of it. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I wish I had more time to spend. Like, like one of my favorite uh, places that they stopped was uh, Talon, you know, and that was where it was like they're on the water, you know, and they have the markets and they're, uh, I guess they're like, you know, kind of thieves and all, you know, and so I'm like, oh, this is such a, such a uh, neat town. Like I would love to explore more about it, but it was like they're in and then they're out. Well, and, and even like, again, I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but like there was even a twist within their little adventure in the town. Mm -hmm. I was like, what if we had like more time to spend? Cause it was a cool it was a cool little story and a cool little like uh, vignette essentially of about like mm, 12 ish minutes that they spend there. 
and I really liked it, but I kind of wanted to see more. Mm-hmm. And so again, it just it, it is definitely a lot in the the short runtime of the movie. I don't think it necessarily. I think it works. It does not detract from the movie. And again, I think it's a testament to how great the world they built was that I want to spend more mm-hmm. time there. That's always a great sign in any sort of like fantasy story that like like a Lord of the Rings or an Avatar The Last Airbender where your problem is, man, I just wish I had more of it. Mm-hmm. Like, And I think that's what I see here, which, hey, maybe means we get a Ryan The Last Dragon sequel down mm-hmm. the road. Um, but yeah, I would just say like it feels like we're sprinting quite a bit. Like we're, we're kind of just powering. We're just going boom, 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 trying to get all trying to get to all the different locations as quick as possible so mm-hmm. we can get to the finale. Yeah, exactly. And but I do also think that they spent kind of a, a lot of time explaining things like, you know, something would happen and then we go back to, you know, oh, I got to do this whole explaining the how the world works and then do something and then kind of come. Back. And so I feel like they could have maybe spent more of that time exploring the different nations instead of explaining things so much, because I think you need to assume the audience is, you know, is smarter than that, than having to explain things, you know, step by step. So I, I personally agree with you, but uh, as a studio film released by Disney Mm -hmm. for families, I think they, especially in fantasy worlds like this, would rather over-explain than yeah, under-explain. Yeah, that's true. And I, I do agree there's a little bit of hand-holdiness there, but I, it was never distracting. It didn't. It never distracted me. And again, I think it's good world-building that they, mm-hmm. they did it that way. I, I just, you know, I want more. I either make it longer or do a trilogy or, heck, do five movies. That's pretty ambitious, yeah, though. I could have done with it being longer. It was, it was a fairly short movie, so... Most definitely. Uh, another thing I want to hit on here is that, and we're going to get really into this in the spoilers. This is just, guys, I can't articulate enough how timely the story is and the themes are. We should we should note that the apocalypse was caused by a disease, essentially. And the nations are divided because they're fighting with each other. Essentially, a plague came through and killed everything. The dragons were able to stop the plague. And then the film is set 500 years after the plague was halted, but it's still sort of creeping around. And the only thing that is keeping the evil plague from coming back is the diamond pearl, which Raya and her father are guardians of. So, again, that's not spoilers, but it's just like, hmm. And the whole thing is like all the nations are divided. They all want the dragon magic, even though the dragon magic is what is protect. Like there's no actual value. Any of them gain from it. They just want it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like this idea of uh, unity is a, is a big theme we'll get into in the spoiler section, but I just found it to be really moving and timely and just really needed. Uh, You know, and Disney doesn't always get it right with these types of stories. And I think they, they really nailed it here coming out of, uh, a year that I would say was especially challenging for folks, and uh, at a time when we feel, <laughs> without getting too much into personal politics here, at a time whenever we, I feel like we should have been more united than we've ever been, at least in our generation, we were somehow more divided than we've ever been. And this movie is kind of like talking about that in ways that I, again, this movie was made for five years. They've been working for five years, so it's just kind of wild. It's almost like they knew. It's like they knew. But of course, <laughs> I know there were there were a lot of uh, big changes, I think, that happened and it started happening about a year and a half ago. The, the movie got reworked quite a bit a few times. Um, but anyway, I found it to be really moving and compelling. And for me, that is what is going to stand out about this movie. It's, it's, it's just up my alley. The Southeastern Asian fantasy, up my alley. Check that box. Um, badass uh, heroine, princess, checks that box. Uh really just compelling cast of characters checks that box 
timely themes and very pointed story that's not making any bones about what it's about. I don't always like stories to be that way, but in this case, I think it works really, really well. So checks that box. Biggest that my only real the only thing that's really holding me back from giving this movie is an A plus is that it just feels like it's it's trying to cover too much ground and not enough time. But it's again not it doesn't wreck the movie. It doesn't really detract from it. So anyway, I would say uh, in short, that is what I think of Raya and the Last Dragon. So Lauren Weingart, that's going to bring us to our recommendations of the film. How would you rate this film with a letter grade? You know, A, B, C, D, F. I would give it a A minus. A minus. Uh, only because, uh, like you said, I wish that it, they were trying to cover a lot in one movie. And it just left me wanting more, which is a good thing, you know. But it's also like um, maybe they could have been a little more strategic on uh, maybe holding back on some things so we could focus more on other things. Yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. I, I actually I'm surprised I'm giving this an A. I Ooh. actually love this movie. I think, you know, I don't. It's very rare that I rewatch, uh, you know, movies anymore. I don't rewatch a lot of Disney, even movies I really like. I just don't watch much anymore. This is one that I absolutely will watch again. And not only that, I should say this. We, we One thing we haven't talked about, this movie was being released via Disney Plus for $30. For $30, which is kind of expensive uh, for a movie that you don't actually own and you also have to already subscribe to Disney Plus. So, mm. so for listeners out there, the only way you can watch this movie right now, um, outside of going to a theater, if you feel comfortable taking that risk, is by A, subscribing to Disney Plus, and B, paying 30 extra dollars on top of your monthly subscription, which I think is a pretty expensive ask for the audience. Is it worth it? I actually would say, especially if you have kids and you need something new to show the family, absolutely. For everyone else, you can probably wait because it's going to be free on Disney Plus eventually. I think we saw with Mulan last year, they waited three or four months and then it uh, went free. You and I paid the $30 for Mulan and uh, I do not think that movie was worth $30, frankly. Oh, I agree. If I was going to if I was going to choose to spend money to I to watch either Mulan or Raya and the Last Dragon, I would choose Raya and the Last Dragon. Um and yeah, I agree. If you're looking for new content and uh you're well, you know, if you were going to go to the movies anyway to see this movie, you know, $30, sit and watch it with your whole family. It's a great movie. Right. Well, I think if you're a family, you're probably saving money with $30, yeah, quite frankly. Exactly. That's why I'm also saying for other people who aren't just have an urge for new movies can wait. You, you should probably just do that. Um, but I, I do I do think it's worth it. I think it's worth the $30. I think so, too. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Lauren gives it the A minus. I give it the A. Again, I'm shocked by how much I liked it. I, I didn't really go in with any particular expectations. I just don't really expect much out of Disney movies, even though I generally like them. I love this one. So check it out. Uh, for those of you who do not want to be spoiled, uh, you're going to want to go ahead and tune out now because Lauren and I are going to be taking a, a deeper dive into some of the themes in the film. All right, Lauren, we are full steam ahead in the spoiler section here. So I just want to start off by talking about how this film is so timely. What did you think of these themes of unity and, and trust that clearly Raya and her father represent and they're fighting? That's what they're fighting for. And Raya is, is frequently confronted with the fact that everyone she has ever trusted who's not her dad basically mm -hmm. stabbed her in the back. So, like, what did you make of this? 
Uh, I thought it was great. And like you said, it's very timely. <laughs> it's great how it turned out like that because, you know, in a time where our country seems very divided, uh, as so is the world of Kumandra, uh, is divided, is divided into five different nations. Um, and trust is a very big theme in this movie. Um, Raya was obviously stabbed in the back. You know, she trusted someone and then the world, uh, you know, went to crap after that because of it. Uh, so, and you know, totally get her trust issues. I got trust issues. <laughs> A lot of people have trust issues and, um, especially right now, it seems like just people just don't trust each other. And it's almost like even a thing to do. It's like, Hey, don't trust anyone, you know, and I, I almost even have that kind of mental. And so with Raya, she struggles a lot with, uh, trusting anyone, you know, not just the person that stabbed her in the back, but just anyone at all. And I just love this. This line is kind of haunting and chilling. Cause I feel like I've heard other people say stuff like this. You know, if we lived in a different world, you and I could have been best friends, but unfortunately we don't. So I'm going to be a really terrible person right now and stab in the yeah. back. I'm like, wow. So this person is acknowledging that they really should be friends, but because of weird reasons of the, the like expectations placed on her as like sort of the princess or, or whatnot of, of her tribe that she has to betray her because she's got to look out for her group mm -hmm. first. Like I said, that's a, a real big thing with her. And then so when she finally does meet uh, Sisu, uh, Sisu, uh, it, you know, is actually a lot like her dad. Uh, her dad is very hopeful and her dad actually wants the nations to unite again. And, and he wants there to be a Kumandra again. And he's really trying to uh, convince Raya that, you know, this is possible. Um, but especially after that, it's real hard for her to actually believe that, especially after her father gets turned to stone and the world is, just goes to crap and everyone just seems so selfish and just cares about themselves. Um, and so she really has to learn unity and trust. Right. So I, I think like what the movie is trying to do is it's trying to show, hey, everybody gets hurt at some point. The reason we stop trusting everyone is because someone betrays us at some point. Someone mm -hmm. someone at some point in our lives, whether we're uh, a child, whether we're a teenager, even whether, whether an adult, uh, someone betrays that trust, which makes it harder for us to do that again, especially with strangers and people we don't know. And that lack of trust leads to to division. And what's sad is the thing is at the beginning of the movie really the status quo is as positive as it could be like there's no like the the whatever they are the little misty disease uh, you know, drune. the drones who yeah. turn people to stone they're at bay mm -hmm. because of the dragon pearl the dragon pearl only like the, the the dragon pearl only breaks because people fight over it like yeah. it, it doesn't really actually like it it's just funny that, like, basically humans in this movie, at least, humans cause are the cause of their own suffering. Yeah, exactly. It didn't have to be that way. And and then the fact that there was that sacrifice that allowed humans to, you know, stay alive, not have to worry about the drone, and then they go and F it up. You know what I mean? Like for, for, for basically no reason. <laughs> yeah, for no reason. Just and just because of like pride or just yeah, just selfishness. And because I think they they, they even talk about it. The, the reason they were after it was because they were for no actual reason. They were they got under in their, their heads. They got in their head. All these different like nations got in their heads that 
the reason the heart, the 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 nation that rises from heart, um, the reason that they were prosperous was because of the dragon pearl. But that actually wasn't true. There was no nothing actually proving that was the case. Mm-hmm. They fought over it, and then things got significantly worse for everybody after they broke the pearl. And it's like, yeah, you guys are all being selfish and trying to have your own piece of the thing. But when really, if we had just come together and just let, you know, this dragon gem do what it needs to do and and not be selfish about it, then we would all be fine. And that's what Daniel Day Kim, uh, a.k.a. Benja, Raya's dad, was about. He's like, hey, I just want to bring... He was, And he was trusting, too. He says, mm-hmm. I want to welcome the people into our nation so that we can share the prosperity we're experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. And when they let those people in, they came in and, and screwed it yeah, all up. exactly. So I, I, just, I think that's interesting. And again, I, I'm not... It's not about getting into personal politics or anything of that, but I just think... That right now in our current environment, it just seems like in a lot of ways we're more divided than we've ever been. And I would say a lot of the stuff that people were divided about are really stupid. Yeah. And this movie is sort of like about that. Like, why are we fighting over silly stuff? If we all just work together, if we all like we all might have to sacrifice a little bit, but if we all sacrifice a little bit, things actually get better for everybody. Mm-hmm. We, it highlights pretty well what that lack of trust does to to individuals what it does to countries, uh, what it does to, you know, just uh, the relationships that we have. So I really find the idea that Raya's journey is twofold. It is about really bringing people together, unity, but also it's her on a journey to learn how to trust people again. And I just find that the ending of the movie is really was really moving to me where basically the only reason they were able to, to to stop the evil was by all of them basically sacrificing their lives. Like when they walked into that, they didn't know if they were going to come back. That is just really powerful and moving. And what if all of us just like did that? You know what I mean? Like if everyone just stopped thinking about themselves for a second and like just thought about like if I just make some sacrifices – all of us can be better. Mm-hmm. Like all of us can can enjoy, you know, enjoy um, life a little more. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what the movie was trying to say for sure. And that and that ending, that climax was very moving. Like it was, you know, especially you know she you know kill you know she shot Sisu, and that was a very sad. Oh, that was so, that was heartbreaking. So you already have like this like disdain you know of like or they do they think that they they think that she killed her and so in that moment that's the hardest person for them to trust in that moment namari uh was the one that you know killed sisu and so and all these characters uh almost have like this just dis- disdain for her especially in that moment where they're trying to fight off the june uh this is like the last person, Namari, that they would want to trust. But in that moment, they have to trust her. And Raya's the first one. It's like, because she knew, she's like, I'm going to have to take the first leap because... Um, she has to lead by example. Because I'm the one that, you know, and she they know that they that she hates her because, you know, she they caught it got to that point because of her and she just killed Sisu and it's like oh my gosh if, if Raya can it can trust her in that moment then I can too and it was so moving and each person at the end 
uh, she met along the way by while she stopped by in each nation to get the dragon gem. Uh, and so they finally have all the dragon gems at the end. And one by one, they gave her a dragon gem and they trusted her. Her journey in learning how to trust others happens organically. She doesn't trust strangers, but when she gets to meet, she meets all these different people from, she, she basically gets a new member of each nation on her travel and she learns to trust them because she gets to know them. And, you know, the question is, like, how many people would you learn to trust if you got to actually know them a little bit? Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, Because when you think of the individual, you know, individuals can get along. And if we all just had that mindset, we all could just get along. And so, yeah, she meets someone in each nation along the way. And she, in the first uh, nation, which is entail, she meets Boone on the... Uh, I just want to say how much I like his uh, the name of his little shrimp boat, uh, the Shrimporium, because, mm-hmm. you know, I love a good pun. So, yeah. And so she meets all these people along the way and organically builds a relationship. And I really like that it was someone from each nation from at the end. Right. That came well, together. Right. Exactly. And and that that obviously is uh, climaxes with her like nemesis, uh, Namari. Um, which by the way, I, I, I also found it pretty moving that while sh- her and Amari were duking it out in a very Star Wars-esque like <laughs> sword fight, uh, all her friends were like, you guys are stupid. This country is imploding. And they were trying to actually save people, you know, just showing that these people had learned selflessness and were putting, you know, the lives of those other, uh, other people in a nation, by the way, the, the, uh, the nation, uh, that everyone hated because they, mm-hmm. they blamed them for the dragon pearl, mm-hmm. yeah. um, so I just yeah I think you know that all leads to the the powerful self sacrificial moment and it, it starts with Raya having to make that first step and make that self sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I I do want to talk a little bit about Sisu. I, I don't think we've gotten to her. We, we haven't really yeah, talked because, about her much. Yeah. Uh, so they have you know dragons in this world, which I think is really cool, and it has a lot to do with water. Uh, so these are pretty much water dragons, which I think is pretty cool because when usually when you think of dragons, you think of, you know, fire and like real dark. But these are very colorful dragons. And, um, I, and it was cool, too, because every time they get a dragon gem, Sisu had a different power from each one, which was the power that was put in there by each of her siblings, you know, to save the world. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, and, and it was kind of clever, too, because one of the powers was uh, shape-shifting, so it allowed her to be a human within these nations. Yeah, no, it, it was uh, it was super cool because she, like, every time she kind of, like, had met one of these, she, she evolved, her human form evolved yeah. every time they went to a different nation. It was like she she learned how to do something else or got this or got this new power. She got the power from the, the each gem. Each gem. Had, was holding the power from her siblings. Yeah. Just super cool. Yeah. Just super cool. Again, like, again, the, the, the siblings, her siblings, who all sacrificed themselves as well, mm-hmm. um, all, all of those different elements came together to make her, like, a more powerful dragon. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, no, but no, Sisu and the dragons were really great. We did not talk much about the, the dragons. And also... We didn't really talk about how beautiful the animation in this movie is. It's really, really stellar animation. And uh, I know this is supposed to be more like analysis driven, but I just want to call it out. Um, It was really, really beautiful. And I think it added to. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I mentioned before that that was one of the things that I loved about this movie is uh, the animation was very good. Disney did uh, a real good job on this. And I think they're proving that they can. They're really good at building these worlds. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, before we we close out, Lauren, because we are about out of time for uh, today, but one thing, a couple, one thing I want to ask you: this movie had not, I, I certainly not what I would say a raging box office success, but it had a, I want to say it was like a box office opening weekend of around thirty odd million, which is the closest we've gotten to a proper like regular box office since the pandemic and things shut down about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Do you want to see a sequel? I do want to see a sequel. And I hope that this movie uh, becomes beloved like it should be. Uh, and then people will want a sequel and they will give it to us. That's right. Demand it. Yes. it. I'm just, I'm curious because like the way that Disney's, it's hard for us to measure exactly how Disney is, is tracking how well this movie's doing from a Disney plus perspective like I'm sure they can see uh, with a thirty dollar purchase, they can see exactly how much revenue it's contributing to them. But like, are they also watching like subscriber count, whatever? Uh, again, it's kind of messy. So I'm not sure how Disney feels this movie is actually doing. But I would just say I think this is one of those Disney films that lends itself to a sequel in a lot of ways. And there's just so much more to be explored in this world. I would love to see that continue. Maybe, maybe it's another movie. Maybe it's an animated series. I don't know. Disney Plus kind of actually opens up the door for a lot of different possibilities. So yeah, Ryan the Last Dragon. I would say a really exceptional film. Probably one of my favorite uh, Disney animated films of the last ten years. And I hope hope we have more. Yeah, I would love more films like this from Disney. Uh, keep them coming. All right, Lauren. Anything else you want to add about Ryan the Last Dragon before we wrap up? Uh, just a couple of Easter eggs uh, that were noticed uh, in the beginning when you ha- see all the art that while she's explaining the background of the world, there is another dragon that you can see that is kind of reminiscent of um, Mushu. I-, I think it was his name from Mulan, Mulan. Uh, uh, yeah. because it's like a red color, you know, with the yellow bottom and... Uh, which is kind of cool because in the live action Mulan, we didn't get a Mushu, you know, so a lot of people were missing that character and kind of got him in this one, maybe. Well, he actually makes sense in this one. Yeah, and it makes sense, too. Uh, and another one that I thought was funny, the last one I'll mention, uh, when she is in Talon in the marketplace, uh in the bottom, when she's walking around, you can see Hey Hey from Moana walking oh, around, very and he nice. even has the like coconut or like a bowl on top of his head, <laughs> like walking around like he did in Moana. And so that was a good. This is find. all set in the same universe. It's a yeah, crossover. It's in the same universe, I think. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh oh, and another thing that I think is, um, like I said earlier, there is a lot of similarities to this movie in Frozen. Uh, and one thing I'll just mention is when she comes to the end of the river in the beginning of the movie, when she's trying to find Sisu, she comes to a shipwreck and she even says, uh, six years of searching and we come to a literal shipwreck. So it was six years between Frozen and Frozen 2 and there was a shipwreck that they came to that the parents died in. And it was very similar shipwreck. So is it the same one? No. (laughs) But you said that, well, (laughs) just kidding. All right, fans, people on the internet are going to make those conspiracy theories all day long. So I'm sure it's somehow connected to Toy Story if you wouldn't really want to dive into it. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, Lauren, this has been uh, a wonderful talk uh, about a very wonderful movie. Before we close the show, where can people keep up with you and all the great things you're doing at Video Peach? Where can they keep up with you online? Yeah, of course. Uh, You can follow me at Video Peach Productions on Instagram. 
Instagram and also Facebook at Video Peach Productions. Video Peach Productions, they are filming life's sweetest moments for you. Uh, beautiful wedding videos. Obviously, I'm a little biased, but I think if you're looking to tie the knots and you want some video, it's definitely the place to go. Videopeach.net. Ladies and gentlemen, you can keep up with me and all of my work over at thecinematropolis.com. You can follow The Cinematropolis on social media, on Twitter, at The Cinematrop, or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Cinematropolis. You can also find me personally tweeting about all the things, film, television, video games, all the fun stuff, at C Masters Talk. That is letter C Masters Talk. And I also want to encourage you, I'm right in the middle of a interview, special interview series on uh, the Cinematic Schematic. If you're subscribing, you've probably heard uh, or at least seen a couple of these episodes come in. It is three films that got you through the 2020 pandemic. I'm speaking with a variety of uh, professionals who work in the film industry. Um, I believe all of them so far at least have been from Oklahoma. And uh, talking to people like Adam Chitwood, who is the managing editor over at Collider.com about how the pandemic impacted internet publications covering movies like Collider. I spoke with Sterling Harjo, uh, who has an upcoming uh, pilot uh, for Reservation Dogs coming out. Interviews with all sorts of interesting people working around the, the film industry. So if that sort of thing is of interest to you, I highly encourage you to give those a listen. And those episodes are usually posting on Mondays. Uh, maybe on Tuesdays sometimes, but most of the time on Mondays. Check it out there. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you again next time.